an episode you've been waiting for. Health insurance, medical insurance. We've gotten so many people wanting us to do this episode for so long. Like literally hundreds of people. When you think about medical insurance, you're thinking of, oh yeah, that $2,000, $3,000, $1,500, whatever it is that leaves my account, my precious savings checkings account. Or unfortunately, someone who's thinking like, I should really get health insurance. Well, I hope most people, I I think most people do have health insurance. But we know from our research that there's a lot of people that don't. That don't. Yeah, it was very, 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 very insightful episode. We spoke about shifting, which means basically... You don't have to be married to a single plan. If you don't think that you're you're having a baby or you're not expecting anything crazy on the medical side, you could shift to another plan, potentially saving thousands of dollars a year. We discussed health share plans. That was a big one. We asked people to submit their medical questions or medical insurance questions. And seven out of every 10 questions were related to health share plans. So we hit that towards the end of the episode. I don't know if you planned this out to have a baby the same week that you're doing uh, oh a kosher money baby yeah yeah no first you want to hear funny while my wife was giving birth i really couldn't do too much i was editing this particular really i promise you wow remember i sent you the timestamps at like 5 a.m yeah yeah i was just sitting there i had nothing to do i i you know ellie had a baby girl leia linger leia linger and um yeah that was pretty funny so It's funny that you mentioned that. And also, thank you to our two sponsors for this week's episode, kolelchabad.org and approvedfunding.com. More about them in the middle of this week's episode. But you've heard enough from us. Introducing Carrie Grumbaum. Enjoy this week's episode. Being a Jew? Awesome. Managing personal finances? Not so awesome. Welcome to Kosher Money. In the United States, unlike Canada and many other countries, health insurance is something that that is at least somewhat optional, right? It requires people to make a proactive decision, whether to purchase, what insurance do they need. I'm hoping that in this episode, we enlighten the listeners as to what their options are, what the differences between those options are, what the costs are. People had a lot of questions related to health insurance. Let's get right into it. Okay. Health insurance. Does someone need it, right? It's thousands of dollars a month if it's not uh, covered by the government. Can I just go on my merry way and if something, God forbid, happens, I'll worry about it then? Is it something that I need? It's an excellent question what you're asking because most people think they're invincible and don't need health insurance until they're 27, 28 years old and they have their first injury, something happens, their parents got sick, their mother, their father got sick, something happens and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, what's insurance? I need insurance. So do I need it? You never need insurance until you need it. And we run through this all the time when it comes to insurance. What should I buy? How, how do I, what do I do with insurance? So you're asking an excellent question, and it's not one size fits all, because a lot of people will say, of course you need insurance. What if? What if? What if I have a million-dollar expense, and what if I have a $100,000 expense? I have no money for it. <clears throat> and that's when I say, hey, again, I'm not, I'm not t- coming here to tell you not to buy insurance, but there are areas when it comes to Medicaid, if someone doesn't have insurance, there's over 30 million people uninsured today. What do they do? They never get sick? They do. 
right? So what happens when they get sick? If they go to the hospital, there's a law. The hospital has to see them. The hospital has no choice. They're going to get a bill for $70,000. They have no money. What are they going to do? Retroactively get onto Medicaid. So do I need insurance? It's a good question. Um, it's usually the wise thing to do to protect yourself, and it depends who's listening and who, who, who that consumer is and what type of person they are. So... 30 million people in the U.S. today have no health insurance? I believe that's the stats. It could be, it's probably even higher than that. What's the, what do you think the core reason is? Cost. 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 Yeah. So a lot of people are on the bridge of Medicaid and not being eligible for Medicaid. Okay. And all of a sudden, if they have a, there's about 167 million people that have insurance through their employer. There's uh, 14 million, again, give or take, on the, on the health exchange in the United States right now, which mm-hmm. continuously grows. <clears throat> um, and I believe there's, I, I, I want to say 30 million on Medicaid as well, like, and 30 million uninsured, somewhere in those numbers. Um, the 30 million that are uninsured are people that they can't, they can't deduct $100 off their paycheck every time they work, and they, they waive coverage, and they're hoping they don't get sick. And when they go to the hospital, the hospital has to treat them. Has to treat them up, up to a limit. Like the, if it's a, a massive cardiac procedure, the hospital has to. Hospital cannot ref, re, refuse any care to anyone who walks through their room, through their doors. What? How extensive of a surgery are we talking here? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. And, wow. And anything that takes place, if they walk into a hospital because they're sick. In the emergency room, they can't say, what's your insurance? I don't have any. Too bad. They have to be seen. We have a lot of immigrants. We have a lot of people that come across, and they say they went to the hospital. They did. Right. They have to be seen. Right. If you went to your private doctor, they don't have to see you. If you go to a local stand-up MRI place or anywhere else, they don't have to see you. When it comes to hospital coverage, they're not denying coverage. Right. You do hear a lot about when an immigrant needs care, they go straight to the emergency room. Correct. That's a cost-driven decision that I would imagine does fill up the emergency room with things that are potentially not emergencies, but that's a conversation for, for another day. So so what is the cost, right? Let's say someone's listening, married, two, three kids, uh, health insurance is not covered by their employer. What are they looking at in terms of right. health insurance over the cost? over the course of a year? Right. So again, loaded question because it's every state has their own rates. So if you're talking New York, Nebraska, Texas, California, Florida, they're all different rates, mm. different plans, different rates, different, different costs. And it happens to be, since we're sitting in New York today, New York rates are, are pretty high. They're, they're much higher than other states. And there's good reason why they're high. They're high because it used to be what's referred to as a guaranteed issue state, that if you bought insurance, whether you bought it with cancer or no cancer, it's covering it. Mm-hmm. In other states, they would ask you questions. Again, you're talking on an individual side. On the individual side, they would say, hey, have you ever had cancer? Have you had diabetes? Are you overweight? Do you smoke? They would ask questions and decline you or, or put you into a system. That's dating back pre-Obamacare. Now that we're in a new cycle, that's why they have Obamacare every January, usually February and March, too. Uh, individuals could go on insurance regardless of their pre-existing conditions. On the employer side of, of, of insurance, um, the concept of pre-existing doesn't exist. So if, if they, a new employee starts working somewhere and they have cancer, God forbid, um, they're, and they go on the plan starting March 1st, they're fine. They, uh, everything is covered. It's not, what if I have pre-ex, what if this, what if that? The pre-ex concept under 
medical insurance in a group setting is one way. And now with an, empl- with an individual going out there looking to go on the exchange, it also doesn't apply. However, the open enrollment period to get onto your local health exchange is usually January 1st. They extend it to February and March, and then it's usually cut off. So if someone today says, okay, I want to get on insurance for April 1st, and there's no qualifying event, no specific reason why to go on, they can't get on. Mm. They have no insurance. But there's an open enrollment period every year to go on. Now, as far as costs, you yeah. asked about costs. The, you know, the costs could range. We'll start in New York, and then I'll move to cross-country. We'll go to California. Awesome. This way we cover every, everything else is in between those two numbers. Well, not necessarily. But in, in New York, you're going to get probably the least expensive family plan at probably about $1,800 a month for a family. doesn't matter if there's two kids or ten kids. It's, it's A family is um, a two, two partners along with um, at least one child. So if you have one child, two, or three, or four, or five, it's all the same cost. Um, that's for a family. For a single, we'll call it in New York, five to eight hundred. Even there are plans that are twelve hundred also, um, and the plans totally vary. So I might tell you, where can I get a nineteen hundred dollar plan? By the way, I forgot to tell you, you're on the hook for the first five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars. So let's just walk that through for yeah. people that are are not familiar. So every month, their savings account, their checking accounts, gets charged. Eighteen to nineteen hundred dollars. That's without even stepping foot into a medical facility. Now they go in, they see a doctor. There's additional costs that come along with that. For the eighteen, nineteen hundred dollar plans, they are the insurance company. For the first, I'm going to throw out a number for the first five thousand dollars of expenses, and the five thousand dollars of expenses is not the billed amount that the doctor is billing them for. It's the contractual rate that the whatever insurance company they elected. So if they chose United Healthcare, Cigna, Blue Cross, Aetna, depending on the contract they mm-hmm. have, they already have a negotiated rate with that doctor. So when the doctor bangs on the knee, it might be eighteen dollars, and if they look in my eye, it might be seventeen dollars. If they gave me a throat culture, that might be fourteen dollars. So you're essentially paying their contracted rate until you hit a limit. The limit could be three grand, five grand, ten grand. Depends how you set up the plan. The average plan in New York for a family is more like a twenty-four or twenty-five hundred dollars. And month. what? And what's the the pay? How much does a person have to pay out in premiums? It could be a lot. I mean, there's the, again the structure on plans today are consumer-driven plans. Consumer-driven means, hey, I'm tired of paying so much money for insurance. How am I able to pay the lower rate and not just pay twenty-five hundred and twenty-six and twenty-seven hundred? And part of that is using what's called a high deductible plan with what we're discussing mm-hmm. the first five grand or so. Um, <laughs> so when you're on the plans that are 2,500, it could be $50 to go see the doctor, $30, $70. It's a copay. That's a copay. But that's different than the, the bill you're going to get afterwards to meet your deductible. So on the $2,500 plans, the family plans, um, and the singles of 800, you're not going to get, you're not going to be balance billed. You're just paying a flat copay, and okay. the insurance company is going to pay that difference. So when that doctor does the same bang on the look and eye and do these procedures, the doctor's ending up with the same amount of money. The question is, is it coming from my pocket or the insurance company's pocket? When it comes from my pocket, that means my premiums were probably lower 
on the $1,900 plan because I'm going to be the insurance company. And when they tire, you're basically fronting the cost and the insurance company is going to then pay the the difference. So if my copay is 50 and the total bill is $85, they'll pay the $35 difference. Right. So you get in the mail explanation of benefits. No matter what plan you're on, you get what's called an EOB, explanation right. of benefits. It's going to say the doctor billed 400 the discounted rate is $200, you're responsible for X. And depending on what plan you are, is that X of what you pay? A lot of numbers, and I, I understand because I get these EOBs in the mail all the time. I have a question related to a particular year. If someone thinks in that particular year they're not going to have a baby, they're not planning any surgeries or whatnot, does it make sense to shift off of a higher cost plan to a lower cost plan for that year? Obviously, if something does happen, they would have to pay more out of pocket after the case. But do you see people, and is it a good idea to transition between different types of plans within their insurance company, different levels of cost? Right. You used a very key word, and it's called shift. Shifting is... is crucial to understand as a consumer of what makes the most sense for me personally and my family this year. And um, as far as <coughs> in between, as, as far as like during the year, you can't just bounce between plans because today I'm having a baby today, tomorrow I'm not. However, once a year you have open enrollment. For the exchange, we said it comes January. For your employer, it could be any month. Mm -hmm. So if your employer started their insurance in April, then April is when it you have an election to make changes between the plans that they offer. The answer to your question is absolutely. Ins insurance is a game of shifting cost. Do I want do I want to pay up front? Do I want to pay later? What if I'm projecting that I'm not going to have expenses? I'm not having a baby this year. Mm -hmm. And therefore I know that I'm you know, anything could happen, but the plan is I'm not going to the hospital this year. So absolutely at that year, if I had if I just had a baby two months before, it's not likely you're having one in the next 12 months. And therefore, look at your plans. And if I could go on a plan for a family that's 1900 instead of 2500 the delta, the, the difference between those two numbers is massive. Right. So even if something does happen, you, you, you just saved yourself $600 or so a month that you have to, you know, if you do have ex unexpected expenses. So absolutely. If someone has an employer that's paying their health insurance, does shifting become less important because it's the employer that's picking up the cost? Meaning, my employer is paying for it. Let me go for right. the highest paid, uh, the highest cost plan. Right. So it's very rare you're going to find employers paying 100% of the plan. There's usually a contribution. It's a pre-tax deduction that an employee could say, hey, plan A, B, and C, uh, core, buy-up, and second buy-up, you know, a better plan. And the, the core plan might cost the employee for a family, again, I could go discuss singles also, but for a family, let's say the, the company, the employer on the base plan is, the employee, their contribution is $700. On the next plan, it might be 900 On the next plan, it might be 1200 So, <laughs> yeah, if your employer is paying everything 100%, you're going to take whatever, mm -hmm. the least out of pocket and the best you could you could purchase. And it's funny, as an insurance broker, I tell employers all the time, it's not a great strategy to cover 100%. I mean, it doesn't really ever happen. Mm -hmm. But when it does happen, there's no consumerism. The, the consumer doesn't care, which is 
in the in, historically has caused insurance rates to go up because if I don't have if I have a ten dollar copay and that's all I have and I don't even pay for insurance, I'm going to the doctor every time I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Not a question. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are on these high deductible plans, you you shouldn't um, compromise your health at all. But absolutely, you know, think about it. Hey, it's going to cost me eighty five bucks to go to the doctor. Whoa. Let me think about that before I spend $85. When an employer is contributing, you just got, it's, it's very basic math and, and understanding your medical history. If I know I'm diabetic and I'm, I have certain medical equipment that's gonna cost money and certain insulin shots and certain things that are gonna take place, you know you're having those expenses even though you're perfectly healthy with everything else. So you kind of wanna look at your out-of-pocket expenses, <laughs> your prescription and everything else that, that to, to evaluate as opposed to most people just say, oh, I want the most expensive plan because it's the best. Most expensive in insurance is not the best. Most expensive in insurance means less money out of my pocket when I go to the doctor. Because ultimately, if I had a million dollar charge on the best plan and a million dollar charge on the not best plan, um, you know, the difference will be negligible. Again, there are exceptions to this, to what I'm saying, but the general rule is, you know, more, more money up front. For the, the plan costs more money. That just means you're going to be paying less when you go to the doctor. It doesn't change the doctors, it, although in some situations it does. A couple of months ago, I went to the ER. My blood pressure was through the roof. I don't have a history of that, but maybe anxiety, stress. And my doctor says, probably nothing, but I know you, Ellie, you worry. Right. Go, go in there, get some blood work. So I went over to one of the local uh, ERs. They did blood work scans. Everything was fine. It was a temporary instance. I didn't pay. I left. I said, okay, great. Ooh. It was free. Two weeks later, three weeks, four weeks later, Do I'm starting. Bucks? I'm getting bills. Yes. <laughs> so I got one bill for, it said 8000 but the insurance paid 6500 It was $1,500. Right. And then I got another bill from the doctor themselves in the facility, another 500 bucks, then I got an $85 bill. I don't even know if the the second and third bill was really part of the first one. I I, I don't even know. So going in, I had no clue what this would cost me. Would it have changed it? Would I have agreed to it? I probably would have wanted all the care regardless of what what it cost, but it's a little scary Knowing that you have insurance, you're going in, right? When I go into the supermarket, I pick up a, a bag of peanuts. I see exactly on the bag how much it costs. Right. There's this ambiguity. There's this unknown when it comes to emergency um, room prices that the hospital will bill whatever it is. It's not like I can go online and look and see what the prices are. Right. That, to me, is scary. And is there a solution? Am I am I not familiar? Is there a big book that shows all the prices? There is, is there a big book? There is a place that you could use as a reference base of what costs will be. But the the one of the largest issues is what you just pinpointed on is emergency rooms. Emergency rooms are a fortune to go to the to walk into. So if you're not feeling well, you have 104 fever, mm-hmm. let's go with 104, not 101, mm-hmm. and it's a Saturday afternoon, Shabbos afternoon, Saturday afternoon, it's a Sunday, it's a weekend, your regular doctor's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, if you walk into the emergency room, you sat there for three hours, the doctor gives you the same medication, it's not even the high blood pressure situation, mm-hmm. you're getting a $2,400, $2,500 bill, subject to whatever your insurance is. So some insurance says emergency room, 
copay is 500. Emergency room, copay is 350. Emergency room, it's all deductible. So depending on what your plan is, but what's the real cost behind the scenes is $2,500. As opposed to the concept of urgent care has popped up over the last 10 years, mm -hmm. and you see urgent care centers everywhere. The same person who would walk into an urgent care, first of all, wouldn't sit there three hours, would sit there 30 minutes probably, get the same exact treatment, the bill's about $450. Mm. So as, as one thing that we always do as consume, as a, at, in our consulting business as an insurance broker is guys, in emergency rooms, stay away. Obviously, if you're, heart, if you're having heart pains, you're going to the emergency room. So emergency room for, should be for serious emergencies. Even as an EMS volunteer, that scares yeah. me because sometimes people don't know the level of, of seriousness to, that they're experiencing. So granted, if it's chest pain, you're going to go to the emergency chest room. Chest pain, you don't question right. it. Right. But if it's abdominal or, you know, people tend to go to an urgent care. Sometimes they could help them. Sometimes <laughs> right. they can't. But you're risking precious minutes in a real emergency by going to a, an urgent care. A real emergency, go to the emergency room. Not a question. If you have questions about it and you're unsure, go to the emergency room. You want to be in a hospital. But if, if I have a superficial wound that needs two stitches, I don't have to go to the mm -hmm. hospital. Mm -hmm. I could go to the urgent care. And I'll give you a great example of what happened to one of my kids. And everyone looked at me like I'm crazy. I said, believe me, I know this system. It's mm -hmm. not worth it. Mm -hmm. Kid hurt their ankle or hurt their, hurt their foot enough to get it probably broke mm -hmm. i could go to it was a sunday i could go to the emergency room and sit there for three hours for them to temporarily te temporarily wrap it up and say go see an orthopedic tomorrow which will cost me twenty five hundred dollars or understand again i'm not talking with the bone protruding and emergency emergency i'm saying crying screaming kid broken foot i know it's broken there's nothing i know they're not doing surgery again i'm not a uh, a profit here mm -hmm. and you got to use street smarts don't just be like hey nothing's wrong listen to your kid also and look at the the wound um and i'm like there's no way i'm going to the emergency room there's no way i'm going i'm going there i'm gonna sit there three hours and go to the orthopedic tomorrow so what did i do i did go to the urgent care just to wrap it up safe better than i would wrap it up got an x-ray got an x-ray mm -hmm. it was fractured mm -hmm. and what did she say go to the doc go, go to the orthopedic tomorrow right and we went to the orthopedic, and it got wrapped up. Mm -hmm. And I learned that I learned that from me. I, I, I play a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. I've had multiple surgeries and a lot of sports injuries. The first sports injury I had, major one, not my meniscus, my, not my first. One of one of the major ones was I tore my Achilles tendon. So when I tore, <laughs> prior to tearing my Achilles tendon, I tore another muscle playing baseball and sprinting, and something popped. And I went to the emergency room, sat there for five hours. They couldn't do anything except say, go to the orthopedic tomorrow. Mm. And it was a nightmare of a situation. My next injury, I was playing basketball and I ruptured my... Do you my, schedule your injuries? Um, yeah. I'm probably due for one soon, <laughs> God forbid. But uh, I, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. Aye. Very painful. I knew it was ruptured right away. It was, I was done. I could go to the emergency room. What are they going to do? Mm. I'm not using their... I, I, I don't want to use their doctor on call necessarily it's not an emergency i already called my doctor to say hey it, even if it's fully ruptured it's we could look at it tomorrow or the next day so instead again i went to the urgent care it was about a 450 dollar 30 minute situation where they could give me crutches and wrap it up a little bit and wait to go to the doctor the next day i ended up having surgery eventually and everything else but as a consumer understanding that hey that might cost me 2500 bucks no way it, again, if it's my chest, if a bone is protruding, if there was something major, 
and Achilles tendon is a major thing, but if you think about it realistically, like, you know, and I've, with my own children and, you know, I have nine children and again, I, I don't neglect them at all. We've had broken wrists. We've had broken things. I don't run to the emergency room mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a, unless it's a, again, right. Caveat. I don't need to, I don't need to be a full and be no better than the emergency room. Right. You have anything that's serious that you're concerned about and you're scared, really scared, you go to the emergency room. Right. But understand it's going to cost you a boatload of money. I re- I recently received a letter from my insurance company writing out the different costs of here's what it costs to go to your doctor, here's what it costs to go to an urgent care, here's what it costs to go to an emergency room. Be wise before you go to the emergency room knowing that your out-of-pocket costs could be severely high, and right. if it's not that serious, don't go there. So do emergency rooms, hospitals hate these urgent cares that popped up? They're they're tapping into their uh, their uh, financial uh, resources, know, their profits? <laughs> you know, I haven't heard that, but if you think about it, I'm sure the last time, and you said you're in EMS, I'm sure you've walked in the emergency room in the last week, it's always full. Yeah. <laughs> There's always people there. Yeah. So I don't know how much, again, we're lacking education and consumerism for a consumer to think. By, by nature, we all grew up saying, you're sick on the weekend or there's an emergency, go to the emergency mm-hmm. room. Urgent cares aren't the solution to everything. They can't do everything. And if the, if the wound or the stitch is eight stitches, I wouldn't go to the urgent care. But if it's a superficial wound that someone could look at and say, hey, it just needs a couple stitches or even three or four, then you want to think about it before you just run. Right. So a lot of, a lot of the, the responsibility is on the consumer themselves just to, to navigate and to understand the situation that they're in. Urgent cares are also not generally 24-7, right? They have limited hours. So, Correct. you know, something happens at 3 a.m., people right. are forced to go to the... Yeah. When ER. you have no choice, you have no choice. Just understand that um, there's, a, there's a large number that's going to follow the emergency room. So let's say someone gets that bill, right? Yeah. I'm looking at now a $2,500 a $2, uh, bill. A, if someone in my case were to ignore that bill, mm-hmm. does it impact their credit? And this is a little bit outside the insurance sure. question. And B, is it negotiable? Meaning if someone has an inability to pay, is ignoring it the best way? Or do you call them up and say, hey, could we work on some sort of plan here? Do they ask for your uh, finances? W- what happens there? So, so the most advantageous way even though I'm sure people will argue with me on this, is not to ignore it. You know, I, I found it very valuable to pick up the phone and call, understand what that bill is and how you're, and if, and it, the answer is not if it's negotiable, it is negotiable. In other words, it, sometimes in the rural areas, when you're in a smaller hospital, they're not as negotiable, mm-hmm. but for sure in the big cities and the larger hospitals, they're all negotiable and have a financial um, a department that they could help you with. And I'll give you, again, a real, a, a real story. One of my daughters, um, who's married, and, but she's under 26, so she's allowed, any, under, any uh, child under 26, married or not, is allowed to be under their parents' plan. However, if that child has a baby, um, <coughs> that baby cannot be covered under the grandparents' plan. Mm-hmm. So <coughs> my daughter, da- I, as an insurance broker, you know, and you could ask my employees this, I like to switch insurance all the time because I like to understand what I'm selling 
And if it, if it's good for me, it's good for others. If it's not good for me, I won't sell the product. And I'm on a I'm on a program. I was on a program where that the insurance is great insurance, but for whatever reason, it doesn't cover any type of dependent pregnancy coverage. This specific plan, which is unusual, most of the time it does. This specific plan is again, it's not sold in the in the marketplace right now. I'm testing it out on myself. And she went and got a sonogram in North Shore. Uh, and all of a sudden I got a $1,200 bill that the insurance is not covering it. Mm -hmm. I never realized that they don't cover, it's not one of the fine line items that I looked at for our coverage mm -hmm. of covering your kids' pregnancies. So we got a bill for $1,200. Now, granted, she's over 18 years old. I got the bill. <laughs> I called up North Shore, got her on the phone because she's the adult, not me. I said she has no insurance for this. Can we do anything with the bill? They asked her her financial questions, and she's you know she's just graduated school. Her husband's a student as well, and um, the twelve hundred dollar bill came out to twenty two dollars and thirty one cents. Wow! And that's what we paid, despite my income, because she's an adult. She's her own person. So you it, always call, pick up the phone. Will it will it affect your credit? I've heard, I've heard it work both ways, that when it comes to medical bills, it's not allowed to, to right. affect your credit. Um, I don't know if it hits your credit report. I don't think it does. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the cons consensual, uh, um, you know, what I'm hearing. Um, but you'll definitely get the calls from the credit agency, and it's, it's never pleasant to have that where you could fix it. And even when you get the calls from the credit agency, they will always, you know, be able to work some, something out. But... Work with the hospitals. The hospitals, again, with exceptions of some of the rural areas and the smaller hospitals that don't have that flexibility or that financial scholarship aid to help them with, it's, um, it's definitely a good area to, uh, to you know, they'll reduce the bill. Did they require any paperwork from your daughter? Did she have to prove certain numbers? How, how far do they go when it comes to negotiating down a number. Uh, it, they have an algorithm based on the answers you're giving them. I don't think we had to send in tax returns or anything like that. It was all questions. It was questions on the phone. Um, you know, did you work? Are you in school? Do you have other income? And even there, there was some other income there. Mm -hmm. You know, minimal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it might have been twelve, thirteen, fifteen thousand dollars for the whole year. Um, but she answered the questions accurately and. The algorithm, I'm like, $22.31? I'm like, can mm -hmm. I pay it in full now? Right. No, no <laughs> payment know, like plan needed. Ellie and Carrie will be right back to this week's episode. But first, we have a small message. Approved Funding. You've heard about them in last week's episode. They're back. They are a sponsor of Kosher Money because they get it. We have very much aligned goals. They're a 35-year-old mortgage banker that prides itself on hands-on real estate and financial advice. Think about financial advice here. If you're thinking about buying a home, look them up for your best mortgage options. That's approvedfunding.com slash mortgages. Mention kosher money when you call Shmuel, Shmuel Shiowitz. He'll waive all the bank fees. You can call them 800-475-0123. Again, 800-475-0123. He's been at this for over 25 years. He's the president at Approved Funding. He shared um, one of our recent episodes on LinkedIn. He's involved there. You can look him up. 
they are a fantastic source. They'll handle everything in-house. It gives them more control, flexibility. You're worried about points when it comes to your mortgage. Don't worry about that. They're, they're, it's they not take care of you. Yes. They take care yes. of you. They're, uh, if you're not looking for someone that's been at this for a year and a half, look them up. They're, they're coming up on three decades. Wow. Tell Shmuel we say hi. And now back to this week's episode. So let's assume that was you, though. And let's say in the year 2021, you, you earned a good salary. Right. But in 2022, you're, you're not making ends meet. Right. Them taking your paperwork and, and, and looking at your taxes, whatever it is that they're yeah. looking at for a previous year, is not necessarily reflective of the current environment. Do you think that they would even be willing to work with someone that is struggling in March 2022, given that maybe in the past they've had the money? I, I, I've, my clients and the experience we've had have been very successful with with hospitals working out a payment schedule. Sometimes it's a large reduction. Sometimes it's not. And I'll, I'll give you another real situation. I insure a lot of the the rabbis in the five towns in Farakway community, and we spoke about it earlier about shifting costs and do we go the high deductible plan do we go on the low deductible plan and pay more money and we know that most people do have issues with cash flow and sometimes taking the larger amount off my paycheck is easier than having a five thousand dollar bill later because who has five thousand dollars or who has five hundred dollars in their account they don't however one of the strategies that we pulled together was guys go on the most the highest deductible plan you're not so worried about the 50 or the $85 on the day-to-day with going to the pediatrician because you're paying that copay anyways. It might be a little bit more. The big costs are hospital, the, un- the unknowns. Mm-hmm. If you go to the hospital and you have that $11,000 deduct, I remember this was a, a, group, a plan we had with Emblem GHI years ago, and it, the, the deductible was $11,000. The hospital absorbed 9000 of the deductible which in the insurance company's eyes, they don't care if you paid it or didn't pay it. They put it as if you paid it. So now I only have $3,000 left. Meanwhile, I've paid such a low premium for that, relatively a low mm-hmm. premium for the plan. So again, it's consumerism. It's understanding what, it's understanding how to, how to, to work the system, not, to, not to, to do anything dishonest at all, to do things correct mm-hmm. and to be smart, to, be, to have consumerism, but you need a professional to help you walk you through of, hey, how do I go about this? You mentioned before the different types of health insurance companies, right? Which, which, which do you have? Oxford. Oh, I have Oxford Freedom. I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. You know, they're, they're Emblem Health. Right. Is there a difference when looking at these plans? Should we be looking at company names? Like these are the top tier and then... Or no, you, you look at the numbers, you look at the actual plans, and as long as they're reputable uh, health insurance companies, that's all that matters. <laughs> right. So, so it's a twofold question because to the consumer themselves, what do they care about? You know, that their doctor takes the plan. Everyone says, what's the best plan I should take? The plan that your doctor says they're in network for. You, most plans today, and we'll talk about something else that's new to the industry, uh, most plans today have an in-network and out of network. The out of network has kind of gone obsolete because reimbursements are so low. So most plans are driven to stay in network. In network means that there's a contract negotiated already with that doctor, and I'm going to pay whatever my plan is subject to pay, whatever it's subject to, to pay. So I might be on a $20 copay, I might have a high deductible, whatever it is. The first thing you want to do is make sure your doctor is in network. Um, 
and takes the plan. As far as whether it's Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Aetna, you know, it, nationally they call it the Bucas. Blue Cross, United, Cigna, and Aetna are the four big names that everyone has pretty much in every state. Mm-hmm. Um, some have a larger presence in, smaller, in other rural areas as well. Um, the contracts are, are similar. The doctor overlap probably 96, 98%, which means 96 to 98, you know, you're going to have a few doctors. You know, you say Oxford, Oxford's more of a New York, New Jersey carrier. Mm-hmm. United Healthcare is the parent company that owns them. If you go to United Healthcare versus Anatna, the doctors are going to overlap probably 98% mm. of the time. The hospitals are going to overlap 99% of the time. Um, and with the other carriers uh, as well. Um, you know, if you go to some of the smaller carriers, you could go into different states and have a company called uh, uh, Quartz, for example. I'm sure no one here has heard of it, but maybe they've heard about it in Wisconsin or in Maine. Or a company, um, you know, the Blue Crosses are all, they do have a national Blue Cross program, but every state's their own Blue Cross plan. Humana, they're multi-plan, they're, there's a lot of different plans out there. Um, and it does make a difference because you want to make sure your doctor is a participating provider. If you're in New Jersey, there's a Health that's only pretty much New Jersey, a little extension outside of it maybe. Um, so if someone's not leaving New Jersey, they should feel comfortable with Health, Or there's a concern if they're traveling in the summer well, to the West Coast right. that Health is not a good fit for them. So as far as con- traveling... Any t- no matter what plan you're on, even if it's an in-network only plan, they can only go to doctors in-network. Anytime there's an emergency, back to the emergency room, right. you're covered. Right. Now, again, if my throat hurts and I go to the emergency room, they'll probably deny that. But if I fell down and I think I broke my ankle, God forbid, I, you, you'll be covered. So it doesn't matter if you're in California on a New Jersey plan or you're in Israel or China. It makes no difference. If it's an emergency, it's an emergency, but it has to be deemed an emergency, not you being an over-neurotic person or something that you're just nervous about that you, you think, uh, you know, it's an emergency. It's, my chest hurts, it's an emergency. You get hit by a car, it's an emergency. You broke your leg, it's an emergency. Um, so as far as... You know, there are many, all states have local plans. You can't go outside, you know, even with Medicaid, the way Medicaid works today. If I'm on Jersey Care, speaking of Jersey, and I want to go to New York City Hospital, you can't. It's not, it's it's out of network. Medicaid covers you for your specific state, and that's it. It doesn't mean if you travel and there's an emergency, again, the traveling and there's an emergency is covered. Mm -hmm. So let's put that aside. Um, but Medicaid is a local plan. So I'm in New York Medicaid, I'm California, Florida, that's the state I could get treatment in. If they say, oh, but the best person's in Texas, too bad. You're out of network. There, there's no coverage for mm. that. So while we're on the topic, if someone is traveling to Canada, Israel, Trinidad, sometimes people will try to sell them, hey, you need additional coverage, you need ad- additional health insurance. Yep. Does that mean similar, like you call up you call up Verizon and you said, hey, can I get roaming capabilities? Is it calling up your car and health provider and saying, uh, I need additional coverage? Do you go through another company? Is that even not necessary? Right. Um, it, it's interesting because that industry really has changed a lot since COVID, you know, especially with all the people traveling to Israel. Israel made it mandated to purchase additional insurance besides your plan because your regular plan if you got covid is not covering you in israel that's not an emergency Mm -hmm. 
Emergency is if you go to the hospital and you can't breathe, that's different. So Israel, part of their rule, rules where you have to get additional coverage. And it's funny, I think our office, I put more of a convenience because we were getting so many calls about it. We put an ad in the local Jewish home here in the five towns. And I, if I told you we got 10 calls a day for this coverage easily, it's inexpensive and it covers you for anything. So if my throat hurts... Uh, or I don't feel well, or I, or you know, someone gets COVID overseas. It does cover you, and you don't have to worry about is it emergency, not an emergency. Mm. And the plans range. If you, if it depends on your age, that's a huge factor in the cost. So if you're 68 years old versus 32 years old, that same plan for the week could be $30 versus $100. But we're not talking thousands of dollars. You're talking about the plan will run, you know, 50 to. To 150, 300 dollars, whatever, a few hundred dollars for your trip to go overseas. I, I'm using Israel as an example, but it would cover you in China, England, anywhere you go. Um, but so I do think, as a consumer, I've never purchased those plans when we traveled as a family. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the last couple of times I went to Israel, I purchased it. Um, and would I purchase it if I was going on a family vacation this year? Probably not betting that no one's going to feel that sick. And if someone does feel sick and they need to go to the doctor and I need to pay a hundred bucks, I'll pay the hundred bucks. Mm. Let's talk about um, long-term care. And as people age, they get into their fifties and their sixties. Are there different types of insurances that provide extra coverage for someone in that age bracket? Yeah. So very important to understand. People get very confused when they talk about health insurance. They think health insurance covers something like long-term care. And I'll explain to you what long-term care is in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, they also get confused. A common uh, confusion is health insurance is vision insurance. It's dental insurance, mm -hmm. but it's not. Vision insurance, when you get need your eyes checked, not to go to the doctor because you have an eye infection, but you're, you're just going for a regular eyesight check, that's not part of a medical plan. When you get your teeth cleaned, that's not part of a medical plan. Oral surgery, sometimes it's questionable if it's medically necessary or not. When it comes to long-term care, long-term care insurance is not covered by your medical insurance. There might be some coverage where you're able to go to a rehab center and you're able to get some basic medical treatment. But long-term care is usually defined as someone, there's, um, I, I, the rule might have changed, but I think there's six acti activities of daily living. Um, you know, can a person go to the bathroom themselves? Can they feed themselves? Can they dress themselves? Can they walk themselves? If you, if there's, there's two others. If, if there's two out of the six that you can't do yourself, mm -hmm. you qualify for long-term care. But long-term care, you need a long-term care insurance policy for. Long-term care insurance policy covers you for, there's different types of policies. What does that cost? What does it range? It's expensive. It could be. It depends when you buy it. Most people purchase it, I would say, closer to 65 mm -hmm. years old. It covers you whether you're going to assist a living, a home, um, a nursing home, or a home health aide coming to your house. The policy and it, it, the benefit is also based on a benefit. How much a day do you want to get uh, receive? So you could set up the plan to say, okay, we're going to pay $300 a day um, for three years. Uh, and uh, that means they'll pay up to three hundred. They're not. Most policies don't just give you the check for three hundred. Mm -hmm. So if my caregiver comes in, and it's two eighty. You they pay two eighty. The twenty dollar carries over. So mm -hmm. it's like a pot of money mm -hmm. that you could use and use towards it. Uh, throwing out a number, it probably costs for a sixty-five year old probably thirty-five hundred a year. Again, I haven't looked at a long-term care like policy a no in a while. In terms of not not really because if someone doesn't have assets and doesn't have money, they'll fall back into Medicaid. So mm. even if you're old, it's it's for sure 
it's not a no-brainer. You don't want to, again, insurance is, there's so many insurances out there. Um, and it's so easy to be like, oh, it's a no-brainer, no-brainer. Let's just buy it. Right, right. And I'm more of, hey, let's look at the situation. If I don't have assets, they're not going to make you sell your house. But mm-hmm. if I don't have money in the bank and I already transferred assets and I gifted things away and I really don't have much. So if, if, if that parent becomes or that older elder person becomes sick, um, even if they initially liquidate my account thirty thousand dollars or forty, because that's all I had in there, I will then fall back into Medicaid. So Medicaid will then cover the home health care, the nursing home, and everything else. So you don't, you don't, you ru- the idea of buying long term care care is to protect your assets. Mm-hmm. Is to say, wow, you know what? I've 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 built this. I've worked my whole life to build something. I'm not ready for my my three hundred thousand, my million dollars, my two million dollars just to get liquidated because I'm sick. And there's also a rule. Um, it's called a partnership program, I think, in New York. It has different names for different states, where if on day one someone becomes disabled, you could then transfer your assets. There is a, what's called a look-back period, and it depends how you do it. And for three years, you might have to pay your way, but after three years, you could go on Medicaid. Gotcha. Again, speak to a financial planner about these things. If someone did, though, in that case, have the financial capabilities to uh, fund a $3,500 long-term care coverage plan, it would seem wise to, right? Yeah. I mean, my parents have it. Um, we bought it years ago. And when they bought it, um, <clears throat> they have an unlimited benefit. So whether, God forbid, they're sick for two years or 20 or 10 years or 15 years, if someone gets hit by a car at 50 years old but and they're disabled and they really can't function and work mm-hmm. and they need someone, but they live for another 30 years, like what are they supposed to do? So these plans are great. However, they don't sell unlimited benefits anymore. They capped it at like maybe seven years or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, when the policies came out, probably in the early 90s when they became popular, um, they weren't priced. They didn't know exactly how to price them. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of there was a, a lot of increases on long-term care. There's still increases on long-term care. Um, but the, it's not as they don't have unlimited benefits. But, yes, you want to protect your assets. It's a smart vehicle uh, insurance policy to buy let's talk quickly about uh disability income insurance right can you explain what that is and if it's something you do recommend to people that approach you yeah again i'm always going to tell every consumer that i have you know as much as i'd love you to spend all your money on insurance and and i make money from it i'm more of a let's look at the big picture and understand where's we can't say yes to everything and what makes the most sense Mm -hmm. disability insurance is probably the most overlooked insurance because you know everyone's running to buy life insurance they're not dying that quick mm-hmm. i mean Hashem, thank god they're not you know we you're not going to see it in your life it's a selfless act that you're giving to your family mm-hmm. disability you might um disability insurance covers you for a certain percentage of your lost income so if someone makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and you became disabled you're not earning that hundred thousand anymore the insurance company is not paying you a hundred thousand because you'll make sure you'll never get better again if you're if you're being compensated mm-hmm. so usually there's a max of 60 percent yes there are, there are some companies that do 66 percent 70 percent but general is 60 percent of your salary up to age 65 some policies extend that further so you buy a policy at i have i have one that i bought um 
could be 20 years ago already. So again, and I pay 9.28 every quarter. So I pay I pay $3600 a year. I've been paying for it could be 20 years already, maybe more. So that's a lot of money that they they received from me. I have not been disabled. I actually collected on one of my surgeries, they paid me a lump sum of 3 grand mm -hmm. once. Because you were out of work for a certain amount nope, of time? Nope, I was never out of work, but they, they had a, uh, a rider in there. If you have surgery, we pay you mm. X. My other surgeries, I didn't know about it. I only found out about it on one of them looking through the policy. Too late to go back. And, too, uh, way too late, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I pay $3,600 a year, and it'll pay me a certain percentage of my salary up till age 65 if I become disabled. The policies, you know, it's more common for someone... Um, prior to age 65 to become disabled, then die. You know, mortality table usually states death is going to happen north of 80 years old, we'll call it. Um, but disability happens. How do they define disability? Similar to the long-term care, it doesn't have to be to that oh, extent okay. because certain policies have what's referred to as an own occupation rider. The own occupation basically states, um, you know, that I can't perform the duties, a certain percentage of duties in my occupation. So, you know, the reason the own occupation is important is I don't want them to tell me to go to the grocery store and start bagging things if I'm an insurance broker because that I am capable of, but my mind's not working the same mm -hmm. to be an insurance broker. So you want, not all policies will allow that till age 65. Sometimes they have a two years on that or four years on that because if they could get you back to work and stop paying you, they will. Um, and they will audit you. They will check the system to, you know, where is he? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. Are they working? Um, I haven't seen so many disability claims. That's the truth. I, um, but when I first got into the insurance business in 95, I remember writing a disability policy on someone who worked on the floor of the exchange. And he had, to me, it was the biggest policy I've ever seen. And it's still pretty large. It was a $10,000 a month benefit that he would get. And this is back in 95. Mm -hmm. um, and he had a mental breakdown. And they pay him $10,000 for life till whatever, till age 65, I think mm -hmm. the policy went. Most policies now only will cover two years max of mental breakdowns because it's so common. And <laughs> Everyone with their anxiety yeah. and panic attacks and everything else going on, people, the mental health, that mental health on disability policies have usually limited to two years. Interesting, because I've seen instances where people did not get full coverage for disability income insurance if, God forbid, they became disabled as a result of some mental breakdown. Like there was a caveat in there that will Correct. give you disability income insurance, but not if it's related to your anxiety. Correct. 24-month, uh, there's an exclusion on it, and then they only cover it usually for two years. Wow. So who in these insurance, you, meant there, you mentioned dental and vision, who decided eyeballs and teeth are <laughs> not something we care about, right? It, and, and we talk about sometimes preventative care, where health insurance companies will give you some sort of discount if you go to the gym and, and right. they want you to be healthy. But if I don't take care of my teeth, God forbid, I can then get an infection. Right. If I don't take care of my eyesight, God forbid, I can be in an accident. So why is it not included when we talk about health insurance? It's part of the body, last I checked. Yeah, <laughs> it's an excellent point, excellent question. I don't know if I have the correct answer for it. Um, off the top of my head, I would say that, you know, when it comes to teeth, even though you're always going to hear, do you know how much I spend on the root canal? And do you know how much I spend on, um, I had to get new teeth? It's a fortune. You're not going to, but it's unlikely to get the million, the, the major hundreds of thousands of dollars besides the people who need to replace all their teeth. You know, if you have a root canal, it will cost a thousand. It might even cost two thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Um, 
So it could be when they created it, they just created a, a different bucket for it. There mm -hmm. is dental insurance. And I always tell my, consume, my, my clients as well, you know, you know, if, if you happen to be a Jewish Orthodox family with a very large, with a lot of kids, mm -hmm. the actuarial uh, numbers that come up for health insurance, dental insurance, and vision insurance were not based on families with six, eight, nine, ten kids. They were based on families with one and a half to two kids. Mm -hmm. So we're already ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. um, if your kids are all little and they're not going to the dentist, you know, dental insurance is going to run at a call it 180 to 200. $30 a month for a family, 40 to 60, 45 to $65 for a single on the plan. It has a cap benefit usually of, it's getting a little higher now. It used to be $1,000 max per person per year. Most of the plans we do now have a $2,000 cap. So if I'm already giving them $200, $2,400 a year for my plan, and I get 2000 cap per person, but I have six people in my family or 10 that We'll go for the cleanings twice a year. You'll be ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. Because we all know that there's always a cavity or two or something else. Right. Um, but why isn't it not part of it? I, it, it, I think because you know, the underlying numbers are just much smaller compared to w the hospital stays. So you do recommend people get uh, dental insurance. I know you're biased, obviously, but if, is it, does it make financial sense? It, again, it only makes financial sense if, the, if they have to look at their history. I would tell them not necessarily to buy it. If, if they're just a single on the plan and they really are, have pretty good teeth, you know, to pay, if it's $50 a month, uh, you know, your cleanings are going to be 100 200 a year. It's not really worth it. Mm -hmm. Historically, look at what your parents, how their teeth are. Mm -hmm. it's, there is hereditary stuff that goes on. You know, are you someone prone to cavities or not? So just, again, it's all consumerism. Be smart. It's your money. Mm -hmm. I've heard stories where people will go out of country for surgeries right i know there's this uh these cities in san diego where they just drive south of the border to Tijuana, get... Mexico. yeah you've heard so you've of heard of this um teeth especially teeth. yeah right <laughs> they they go the the you know that's sort of their insurance plan yeah. they they just drive south of the border is that realistic right if someone does need a, a surgery that's not urgent um and they go to a a country that is not a third world country is that have you have you heard of people Absol that do Absolutely, that? I've heard it from serious surgeries to, to getting a complete set of veneers and new teeth. I've heard it in Mexico. I've heard it in France. I've heard it in, in different places in in uh, India as well, where medicine is socialized and it's just different. It's easier to get, and the cost is, you know, my hundred. If I want to replace all my teeth, it's a hundred thousand dollars. Or I could go to Mexico. I could go to Tijuana, take a few shots of tequila. And, and get new teeth for like 10 grand or whatever it's going to cost. Right. Um, is it safe? I, I, probably not. I mean, I, is, are there success stories? For sure. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, we live in, in funny times. The, the cost of, of, of the, the, the inflate, not inflation, but the premium that's being charged for a lot of the work is, is, off the charts and it causes people to run elsewhere it could be a, a bonus package on a for a travel agency where they're like <laughs> we'll take you to mexico we'll take you to another country right. and then oh by the way uh you can spend one of the days getting your elective uh, or serious surgery yeah. it's definitely common in tijuana interesting it's 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 known <laughs>
And now a word from a sponsor, Kolal Chabad. So many of you have donated. We reached out. We said, how many people have donated so far via our link to Israel's most neediest people? And Kolal Chabad get, came back to us with two words, a lot. Like the... the no, no. Uh, no, a, there, there is a city in, <laughs> um, in uh, Israel. Israel yeah. but, and, and I'm sure they have many um, seniors and, and needy people. Uh, families in, in that, yes. Um, in a lot, yeah. Across Israel, they're feeding Israel's neediest. They also, we jumped on the phone with them last week, they're, they said they're also feeding and helping Holocaust survivors. Right. Um, really, really tremendous. They're delivering food, I think, to over 100,000 seniors that are isolated. They're attending to them, and it's not just food. And, and regardless of age, religion, ethnicity, um, they're there. And what I'm always blown away by whenever they mention it is that they've been at this for over 225 years. So your money is going to a great place. Back in the 1700s, this organization was around. Wow. And we we kind of want to put them out of business because we want everyone to just give so much that there's no more needy. So help us get to that goal and uh, give your heart, give a little, give a lot, whatever you could. Give give a lot? You you said it this time. yeah. Yeah. So you could... Give them, Ellie, what's their website? Yes, it's kolalchabad.org. We're going to put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, whatever you can. They also have um, recurring donations. So if you want to give $10 a month and it will just recur on your credit card, you can do that. And uh, tell them Kosher Money sent you. Now back to this week's episode. Let's talk briefly about health savings accounts versus flexible savings accounts. I recently um, got a new insurance plan and then I got a letter from a bank saying, hey, Take out, uh, open up an account with us, and you'll be able to save money, pre-tax dollars. Right. How does that work, and is that something you recommend everyone right. tap into? Okay, um, I am a huge advocate of HSAs. HSAs is a health savings account, and a HSA itself that's just referred to as a bank account. You cannot open an HSA account because you want to. You have to open up an. You can only open up an HSA account. Um, if you have an HSA compatible plan, a compatible plan means it's a high deductible health plan. You are the insurance company first. And this is why the IRS says, Hey, we'll allow you to open up an account with pre-tax savings. Okay. You are the, you are the insurance company first. And, um, going on a high deductible health plan allows, again, it's consumerism. The high deductible health plan, even if you have medical issues and other issues too, the numbers usually crunch. The numbers usually work out. So again, it's looking at how much am I going to pay for a plan that's $30 every time I go to the doctor? And how much am I going to pay if I'm on a high deductible health plan? What's my maximum exposure? What's my worst case scenario if I have the $100,000 charge versus what's my worst case scenario over here of a $100,000 charge? What's nice about an HSA versus an FSA, and I'll explain in a minute, an HSA is a, an account that you could put away on a pre-tax basis. Once the, an employer and or an employee could put money into that account, the money is your account the moment it hits that account. So if you left employment and your, your, employer, your employer gave you $50 into that account, it's your money as soon as you leave. The money does not, it's not a use it or lose it deal. It rolls over from year to year. There are the, a lot of the HSA banks and accounts have a component to put money into mutual funds and to earn money as well. People are using it as a vehicle as, as in place of a 401k mm. or in addition to a 401k. Um, 
and it helps you for savings. So when you do have that $1,000 charge or a $400 charge on the high deductible health plan, hopefully you've accumulated money over the course of the year, and hopefully it goes year over year because most people are not admitted to the hospital every year. It's not that common. I always say if I took a room of 100 people and say, how, I always say no one should raise their hand, but how many people were admitted to the hospital overnight, it's a small percentage of the room. Some went to the emergency room, everyone went to a doctor, but overall, the HSA concept works. An FSA, a flexible savings account, <laughs> is also good. It's a pre, pre, these are all pre-tax vehicles to put money away. The FSA, if there's, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of the rules of an FSA with an HSA, because then it's called a limited FSA. Mm -hmm. So let's just put the HSA aside as if we don't have an HSA anymore. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't say about the HSA, the HSA has rules of how much you're allowed to put away per year. Um, every year it changes. I think for a single this year, maybe it's thirty-four fifty if I were to take a guess. Mm -hmm. Pre-tax dollars for a family, maybe it's sixty-seven, sixty-eight hundred. You could do that over the course of the year. Yeah, through a payroll deduction, okay. or if you're not employed, even through other vehicles. You know, just sending money to HSA bank and putting it away, even though it's not pre-tax, it's fully deductible at the okay. end of the year. Um, an FSA. Could, and, and then there are guidelines of what you could use that HSA money for. The same guidelines, FSA and HSA, the IRS has a, a rule, ruling that's saying, hey, you could use it for glasses, you could use it for copays, prescription drugs. Um, you know, there's a whole list of long-term care premiums. There's a whole list of what you could Dental use Dental surgery for. in Tijuana? Yeah, uh, probably. They probably code it the right way. <laughs> they're, they're good over there. Um, the FSA is a use it or lose it. You you allocate. I think it's twenty five fifty a year for medical, five thousand for dependent care. There's parking and transit. There's a few different things under the FSA world. Um, if you don't use the FSA account, which is always done through an employer, the employee loses the money. So uh -huh. if I allocate two thousand dollars but only use twelve hundred, the eight hundred is is gone, gone. gone. There are carryovers. There's again. So, so you can use it for more things, but if you don't use it, it, not really for more things. It's just you don't have an HSA. And you're using it when you go to the dentist to pay your, your root $1,000. So why root would canola someone in any world sign up for an FSA versus a... You can only have an HSA if you have a compatible HSA medical plan oh, and you have gotcha. to be on it. Gotcha. So FSA, anyone could go on. When we asked people um, for their medical, their health insurance questions, I would say seven out of every 10 questions that came in were related to a health share plan. Ooh. And we'll, we'll get into it. We'll sort of... Uh, and this interview talking about what exactly a health share plan is. And if you open up any Orthodox Jewish publication, there are a variety of different ads related to it. Um, let's discuss that. What is a health share plan? And should that be something you recommend people take a serious look at? Right. So the health share concept is interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in it. Okay. Um, I'm knowledgeable in it. And my knowledge actually dates back... Um, I would say pre um, some of the Jewish uh, health share plans. It's really with a company called Liberty HealthShare. Um, I remember doing some research on Liberty HealthShare many years ago. HealthShare is, is it's basically a caveat to 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 create a, a group, religious-based group. So if it's all Catholic, it's Catholic. If it's all Jewish, it's Jewish. It's Protestant, whatever the religion is, if it's Muslim, it's Muslim. It's always, it, you have to be within that religion and attest that these are the rules in, uh, that I follow. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and there's some government laws about creating these health share plans where it's collectively getting a bunch of people within your same religion um, to all say, hey, we're going to be partners together and we're all going to pay for each other's insurance. It's not for medical costs. It's not health insurance. There's no health insurance involved in it at all. It's not regulated. This is not ACA approved. It's not, it's not anything, but it is legal. Sorry, it is legal. It's a legal um, group of collective people within the same community, same, same religion. To, to cover each other's, uh, each other's health insurance cost. Yeah, but it's not a health insurance plan. It's not health insurance. So and, every, and they're very clear about that. Right. And so, so how much am I paying a month to be part of this health in, this uh, health share plan? And what does it include? Right. So, so it's interesting. So starting, let's take a step back to this Liberty one, okay. which, which I remember looking back into because a lot of the rabbis that I dealt with would say, Liberty share, like, you know, how do I get part, become part of it? So first of all, you know, I know plenty of people who did become part of it. You know, insurance, <laughs> what a person has to be super careful of, and this is a super important message, is, is it's not hard to get an ID number or get insurance. It's, it's doing it the right way to make sure you have the proper coverage when a problem happens. And this goes across the board with all insurance. A lot of people are looking for the cheap homeowner's policy and the cheap this and the cheap that, mm-hmm. and they're answering questions that are not accurate. And yes, you get approved. And the same way, I could take a stranger off the street today and just throw him on any health insurance plan that works for a certain company, and no one would know. There is a fiduciary responsibility. It's a trust system of completing applications, writing accurate information, and not to, to complain when they don't cover it because you didn't write something accurate. What bothered me about the liberty, especially in the Jewish community, going towards the liberty is it asks you about beliefs in, in Jesus and, and, and in in Catholic um, um, beliefs, which is fine for the Catholic to write, but if the Jewish person doesn't believe in it, and right away they're writing yes, 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 Mm -hmm. to me that's what's referred to as a false application. Mm -hmm. If they're telling me they don't drink and they don't smoke, and the application's asking that, and they're saying they don't, but they do, you know, the insurance company 100% could deny you. So I think everyone thinks it's cute and it's a game, and I run through this all the time of, ah, I got coverage, I was able to beat the system. Beating the system is not a tr- is not hard, it, or I shouldn't say it's not hard. It's not hard to get ID numbers and to tell the insurance company anything you want. But when a person has a claim, what are you going to do then? Mm-hmm. If they come back and say, one second, you smoke, but you told me you don't smoke, and this only covers if you smoke, or if you drink. And it, it doesn't have to be a massive lie, but I'm saying it's very important to be smart on how you answer applications. Uh, when it comes to Liberty Share and these applications, first of all, you need to attest to many things. And number one, follow you if you if they're false to you and they don't work to you then the answer is no and you don't qualify that's number one number two um you know the cost is super low it's super low they come up with these numbers of like 200 dollars for a single 500 for a family per month per month as opposed to the 2500 dollars we spoke about before now we're at 500 dollars. people driving in the cars just Turned the volume up and said, "Tell me more. Right. What, what am I missing it's, here? Is there a catch?" It's it's you know what I, I what I enjoyed about I spoke to uh, the the head of uh, United Refua, uh, who was a phenomenal guy and very transparent, very clear. When I look through their website and read everything, it's a it, Jewish health health. It's a Jewish plan. health share plan. Um, I think they're based out of Cleveland, but their population's really New York, New Jersey, mm-hmm. the majority of it. There's nothing. Everything's transparent. 
it's very, very clear what they cover and what they don't cover, and who's going to fit into this molar, who's not going to. There's plenty of people, most people will not fit into it. And the reason they only have three, four thousand, four thousand people on their planet, whatever the number is that they have, with amazing claims, like their, their loss ratio is phenomenal, and they're running excellent, because a person, um, most people won't fit into that. What, who won't fit into it? If you're diabetic, you're not fitting into that. If you're overweight, you're not fitting into it. If you smoke, you won't fit into it. If uh, you, you're, you have certain medical history, again, if you had a heart attack 10 years ago and today you're healthy, they might, they might carve it out. Um, so it, where, where it's good for is if you fit the mole today and you're healthy and you're not pregnant today mm -hmm. because it's not going to cover you for the pregnancy the first year. But if you become pregnant, you know, four months after you buy the plan, you're fine. Mm -hmm. As long as you answer questions accurately, there's coverage. The limit for the year is a million dollars. Per person or for the family? That's a good question. I think it's, um, I I'm going to say per person, okay. but I could be wrong on that. Okay. But even if it's per family or per person, that's a large number to hit. I've seen million-dollar claims, preemies, million-dollar claims. There are definitely million-dollar claims. But it's really a hard number to hit, a million dollars. Because keep in mind, they're, not, they're negotiating a rate for you. So when they're going to the doctor and the bill is 400 or 4,000 or 400,000, that's not what they're paying. In, in the industry today, um, we know that most people over 65 uh, are the utilizers naturally the older you get the more frequent you go to the hospital mm -hmm. or get sick are the utilizers across the country when you're 65 or older you're offered medicare a and b medicare a is the hospital medicare b are doctors medicare b is optional medicare a is everyone's getting medicare b there's a cost for and and then there's what's referred to as a gap of insurance of We'll call it 20%, and the Medicare person can buy supplemental insurance, Rx, uh, prescription insurance, and so forth. Medicare has a contracted rates. All hospitals take Medicare, mm -hmm. and the rates are contracted. The, the rates that are contracted, I'll, I'll just, I'm making up an example. Someone goes to the hospital, a under 65-year-old goes to the hospital, um, and the negotiated rate at the end of the day, uh, the build rate, sorry, the build rate is $10,000. Mm -hmm. Your regular Blue Crosses, United, you know, the large medical insurances, not Medicare related, will pay about $5,000, 50 cents on the dollar is usually the negotiated rate. Some mm -hmm. are 44, some are 62, whatever it is, call it 50 cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. They're paying 5,000. Medicare will pay approximately, um, on that claim, we'll probably pay about uh, $1,500 or $2,000 would be there, there with no balance billing. And there's nothing the doctors or hospitals could do. There's nothing they could do about it. So when you have a place like United Refua or other health share companies, they're using <laughs> that Medicare reimbursement number as their base. In the industry, there's something called reference-based pricing. This is completely out of the box, different than what we've spoken about, mm -hmm. and it's becoming more and more popular that I've personally have moved a lot of clients to and have started, I'm starting a new venture, a new company that works on this, where the reference-based pricing says, hey, why am I going to Blue Cross and paying $5,000 when they're paying $2,000? Mm -hmm. Okay, $2,000 is not going to cut it, but let me pay $3,000. So... 
the new concept, what's becoming more and more popular, is saying, forget Blue Cross United, Cigna, Aetna, forget the large insurance carriers, let's go with no insurance, we'll have a, a, a third party called the reference-based pricing company negotiate rates with every hospital, every claim that takes place. So at the end of the day, when your loss ratio is here, it's going to be that much lower. The cost will be that much lower because now I'm using Medicare as my reference-based pricing. One of, one of, um, one of the new concepts that I'm personally doing, besides the regular you know, property and casualty and health, health insurance benefits business I have, I've created a business, I've created an algorithm and a software company tied into the health insurance exchange to help understand the cost of insurance and how can a consumer choose a plan. Today on medical insurance, and we'll get back to the health share in a minute, but today on health insurance, when you go to the health exchange, you look and you got 50 plans, no, no matter what state you're in. You fill up all your information, you can, you, you're eligible for a subsidy, you're not eligible, and you go on to the, the plan and you're just unsure of what to do because I don't know what my expenses will be or everything else. And we've teamed up with Milliman and some other large software companies at Milliman's uh, actuarial firm to come up with an algorithm. So when someone says I'm 52 years old and I take this medication, it's giving you an actual precise number based on the information you're putting in of how to help choose a plan. When it comes to, and that company is called Preferred Exchange for now. It's being changed right now, but that's the, the concept of that company. When you come to HealthShare, it uses that kind of that same concept of the reference base, saying, okay, how, how am I going to pay for this claim? It's a $400,000 bill. They're able to negotiate based on the reference base and Medicare and really get precise numbers. The, the plans itself do have limitations. So again, first of all, to get into the plan, don't start calling if you're, if you're not fitting into that mold. Don't waste your time asking them, oh, I only have a cigarette once a week, or I only do this once a week, or you know, I'm only 30 pounds overweight and not uh, 50 pounds overweight. Read the, read the read FAQ. It. Read it, because right. it's all crystal, crystal clear. Right. So and it, let's assume that someone is healthy. They apply, they get accepted. Now they get a bill just to explain how it works, they get a bill from the doctor, full, you know, the full $700. They then email that bill, scan it, email it over to United Refua, and they cover it using the monies that came in from the 4,000 families paying five, $600 a month? Yeah, I mean, it, not, not exactly, but, but <laughs> some of the doctors, um, pro prior to them just paying whatever the doctor is billing, they're giving, they do have some type of card. That's a, and, and hopefully the doctor turns over the card or the doctor's office turns over the card and calls United Refua and finds out what the reimbursements will be. Mm -hmm. Because they do have, they, they, I think they pay about 50% higher than Medicare. So if Medicare is paying 100, they're paying $150. Mm -hmm. So usually the doctors are pretty satisfied with it. At that time, the, yeah, the employee, the, the individual mm -hmm. or family would pay, pay the money and get reimbursed. I'm sure there are other ways of getting reimbursed as well. Um, but the, the, the idea is if you're the family that does fit into United Refua and you're healthy, you know, some of the exclusions are, you know, the first 60 days, if something happens, I think there, there's limited coverage or no coverage. If, if you have a pre-existing condition, let's say you have a bad knee, mm -hmm. they'll exclude it on year one, and then maybe year two pay 25,000, year, year three pay 50,000, year four it's, it, it all disappears. So if you have a pre-existing condition, they might take you, mm -hmm. but they might 
you know, there's limits to that coverage. The, the, the idea of, of, of an insurance costing $500 a month or $600 a month is re- really, really uh, amazing. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You know, would I be comfortable with a family like mine to go under it? I'm interested. I've never tried it out before. Would I fit under it? I don't know if we would fit under it based on the demographics or our mm-hmm. family history. I mean, maybe yes, maybe not. Um, Could you see a family having both a low-tier health insurance plan, low-cost, in addition to a health share plan? Um, yes, but I d- that, that I could see. But I feel like there is, there might be, there might be a rule of what you're allowed to carry with it that you'd have to double check. If carry you could, a rule car- on which side? On not on, not on the insurance company side. Okay. On, on the on the health, health share. share plan. You just got to look at the rules. Everything is really super, super clear. And, and you know, again, I, I wouldn't call them just to, to ask them a million questions. I would first look at their website, whatever the health share is, whether it's a Catholic one, whether it's a Jewish one, um, just Google health, health share plans in whatever st- state you're in. And mm-hmm. um, th- there are things that come up. And apparently they're not allowed to create new ones anymore. That's what I was told. Oh, really? Yeah. That whatever is out there is out there. Um, you know, conceptually, you know, I get I get a call all the time um, for years from large organizations such as like Bakhtar Masara or the Aguda. You know, how do we do a plan for all yeshivas around the country? Put all the rabbis together, mm-hmm. and you know, let's make a plan with lower rates, lower rates. And uh, the problem is, like I mentioned earlier. The actuarials don't come, don't understand the large family. You know, they understand smaller families, and the larger the family, the more likely there'll be higher utilization. Mm-hmm. And when you try to beat the system using large families, I, I it, you know, I, I can't imagine it working. When people from New Jersey and other Orthodox communities got um, involved and started going into the Liberty Share Plan, which was the non, mm-hmm. the Catholic plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, that plan's going to implode. There's no way it could sustain what they're writing unless they start denying claims. Mm-hmm. Um, I am aware, again, not necessarily Liberty Share directly, even though there are some legal things going on with them right now. I believe that's what I read. Um, could be false, but that's what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, there are claims being denied from some of these health share plans when it comes to pregnancies, because if they really didn't tell them they were on, on plan or they don't want to be on the hook for something, you know, I've, I've, I've been told from some women in Lakewood that we're on the hook for 2500 when they told us not, but they're like, still, $2,500, and I'm not paying 2500 a month, I'm paying 500 a month, we're thrilled to pay 2500 right, right. So again, you could, fight till, you could fight all you want, but really just look at the bottom line number. It, it does work for people. And if you are only on a health share plan, and then, God forbid, something happens. It's not so simple getting onto a health insurance company's plan because of open enrollment. It might be a bad time of the year. That's a pretty risky way of living. It is. It is. But there's there's always gray areas and ways to work the system legally. Again, the word is legal and to be straight up with everything. As soon as you start maneuvering things in insurance and try to do things and not be precise and correct, you're, you're being a fool, gotcha. an absolute fool. So if someone's on a plan and it's, call it uh, April 1st, 
And April 1st, they're, they're on a health share plan, and, and they really want to – they're having problems, and unfortunately, they need to go to Sloan. And again, it'll all be covered mm-hmm. on the health share plan. But for whatever reason, it's not working. They need to go on a larger plan. Mm-hmm. There's usually ways to, to maneuver around that – legal ways that they could possibly get off and go on to another plan. But again, it has to be done um, – everything uh with the proper knowledge and, and legality to make sure it's correct because again i've had so many people come to me and be like you weren't able to help me but i got I, this person was able to get me uh an idea on oxford and i'm like no problem mm-hmm. <laughs> no problem of course we could get you an idea on oxford that's not the question what am i telling oxford what am i telling united healthcare what am i doing to it i'm not risking my license or doing something illegal that's not that i'm putting you in jeopardy as well even right. though it might work right right go find someone else for that right in terms of uh, the health share plan if if like you said if anyone does have any questions um, you're probably not the best person to pick up the phone and call I, i've seen these websites they're very very elaborate clear yeah. they're open to answering your questions um, speak to people in, in your lives that are that are smart in this space and and know don't just jump into anything and um, I'm sure I'm gonna get a ton of yeah. emails from all these health share plans hey, this is you know right. it's worth noting this they're this. legit right. they're, they're real they're mm-hmm. not fake and again it's not health insurance it's a reimbursement to your medical expenses on on a joint collective basis mm-hmm. and they're very good and they're real but you need to be real with them right. and you need to tell them you know if your family fits that or not because if you're just going to write answers because you're checking off no 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 and that's not the case it's going to backfire right. and it's going to cost you money because they will deny your claim and rightfully so they should deny your claim because they're telling you very clear of what their parameters are to join the join but if you fit do I would I be scared to tell someone to go to that plan I, I would not be I, I would be comfortable for, uh, again, without experiencing it. I, I usually don't say that until I experience plans myself. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced it myself. I have someone on the, in my office who is and has had multiple babies on it, and it's been excellent. It's been fun. Gotcha. You mentioned you're involved in a few different companies. Can you just run us wh- what are the names of the companies and what it is that you do right. so that if anyone does want to get in touch, um, reach out, questions, plans, um, what's the best way? Right. So thank you for that. Um, on our health insurance side, and again, as of now, we really don't work with individuals. We, are, we work with companies and, and groups when it comes to health insurance. The name of that company is Preferred Services Group. You can go to psg-insurance.com, psg-insurance.com. Um, and we do all types of insurance when it comes to benefits. We do do individual disability and life insurance. Um, as well as um, anything in the benefits world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Preferred Services Group, and I, I'm a principal over there. Okay. Then I have a company called OneCap Services. We're a full um, retail brokerage house for property and casualty from all businesses, from malpractice to homeowners to car insurance, from A to Z, from large construction projects, um, we do all types of liability businesses, a- anything in the property and casualty world. Mm-hmm. And you can go to onecapllc.com, and I'm a principal there as well. Number one or O N E? 
O-N-E-C-A-P-L-L-C.com. I haven't been on it for a while, so I think that's what it is. Um, and then the the newest company coming out, and this website is not even up and running. It's Preferred Exchange. What's, Pref- the, what's the goal there? Preferred Exchange, I think, will be, um, you will absolutely hear about this within the next uh, year. And I think it's going to be huge. It's, it's really a software program that, and insurance related, it's an insure tech company that is going to help be a decision-making platform for employers and employees, as well as individuals. This is 100% for individuals to help elect plans on their state's exchange. So if someone's in Nebraska and they go on to our site, they'll be able to see exact cost, what it is to enroll, and they'll also be able to speak to a live enroller to get on the phone with them and help guide them through that, as well as just talk about other insurances as well, because sometimes their plan has a high deductible health plan, but they can also buy what's called a hospital bridge plan. Mm. You know, for an extra $30, I could buy a plan that covers me if I'm admitted to the hospital for $2,000. There's a lot a lot of variations with it. So preferred exchange, the live launch should be in the next couple months, mm-hmm. and the beta clients will be coming out soon, but I, I think that will be a, an exciting concept of what's going on. That's awesome. So the best way to get in touch is finding the contact tab on one of these websites and yeah, reaching I mean, out to you? Again, if, if I'm happy if anyone wants to call the office, they could call us. Um, I'll just give you one of the numbers. It all goes to the same go place. Go ahead. The, they uh, could prepare call, to be flooded, but go ahead. <laughs> the, the number they could call is 516-247-6448. I'm going to not give my extension, but you right. could go to extension 227. Leave a message? If, uh, no, oh. Tiffany will answer the phone. She's okay. my right hand. Um, 516-247-6448, extension 227. But really, that company is based on, we, we help employers set up group health plans. We're insurance brokers. We set up dental, vision, um, FSA, HSA, compliance. We, we do everything. We have very large you know, clientele all over the country. Um, you know, outside of the country, we really don't do much. It's mm-hmm. all U.S.-based companies, um, and really all over, all states, not necessarily New York at all. And all individuals over. that do have um, questions or whatnot, I know you're involved in Achiezer, and you work closely with them. They're the nonprofit based here in the south side of Long Island. Right. Um, if someone does have a, a, a question, um, they could reach out to Achiezer? Yeah, again, if if there's if if someone's looking to join, um, you know, looking to get on Medicaid or on the exchange or Child Healthcare Plus or Medicaid, again, Achiezer is only good for the New York population. Okay. So if you're New Jersey, I'm sure there's local places in Jersey and Understood. other states as well. But Achiezer, um, when it comes to insurance, mm-hmm. it, it's New York-based. When it comes to other things, it's usually pretty much collectively in the community. It's extended elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And I've been their insurance consultant since inception of Achiezer. When it comes to some of the complex cases of trying to help people in certain situations that are quite challenging. Awesome. Well, we thank you for your time. Thank you for your volunteerism, your insights. I'm sure many people will be reaching out with their questions and uh, interest. And uh, Carrie, thank you so much for your time. You bet. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kosher Money. Can I, can I be honest? Yeah, go ahead. I wasn't, I was here, but I wasn't in the room when you actually did the episode. Okay. And I haven't listened to the episode yet. So 
everyone listening is a step ahead of me. Right, but by the time you're listening to this in real time, you had, I hope, already listened to it. Probably not, because I'm going to listen after it's edited. Okay, cool. So we I have. Hope they like that. It's a great episode. It was a little bit of a longer episode, but I hope but it's so, uh, people I, got out I, of it. I know that there's a lot of practical takeaways and ideas that people, because I just saw the questions that you were prior yeah. that you're going to ask, and I'm like, okay, if you discuss that, there's a lot of juicy info that people need. I was surprised that he was kind of into health share plans. Now it's not. He necess- was? Yeah. Oh, would yeah. not have bet on that. Yeah, we we went in. We were like, no way. And and he was like, listen, it, it could work for the right type of family and you have to really read up on it but that's yeah. why we bring in the best of the best i would say go any health share that you are going to use go on the websites because they say listen if you have any questions everything's out in the open right but really go and read it because you want to understand it and you it's big it's important so you got to read through it it's not like apple where like you're updating like, right you really right, should right. read 100 percent. um okay we do have um some feedback from the audience. They wanted us to bring back Naftali Horowitz. Ooh. So he was episode two. His episode, I think, has over 600,000 views on YouTube. Wow. 100,000 more on audio. So we're bringing him back. So stay tuned for that. And if you have suggestions for us, we want to hear them. Go to livinglachaim.com com, and submit suggestions if you want to advertise um there's a link for that as well if you have money questions financial questions budgeting questions hit up our friends at livingsmarterjewish.org their email address is info at livingsmarterjewish.org tell zavi woman we say hi we have so many different ways you can listen you can listen on the phone check out the show notes if you're listening on youtube Head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you rate us five stars. Subscribe everywhere. Tell your friends and families about it. Tell your next door neighbor about this. Just send them the video and say, hey, check out check out Kosher Money. They've saved me money. They're giving me great advice. It's almost like the neighbor I didn't have. No, no, don't say that. Oh, gosh. Uh, we don't want to start any uh, block politics. But that is it for this week's episode. I'm Ellie Langer. I'm Yacht Langer. Luke. I feel like I don't need to introduce myself. No, no, no. Okay, a little more enthusiasm. I'm Ellie Langer. And I'm Yaku Langer. I hope we can lower that. <laughs> and we'll see you next week on Kosher Money. The Kosher Money podcast is hosted by Ellie Langer, run by Zevi Woolman, Ellie Langer, and myself, Yaakov Langer. And it is produced by Living Lachaim. For more awesome podcasts and shows, check out livinglachaim.com. Check us up on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Living Lachaim.